Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. With Brent Bridges' property management, marketing, and workflow automation tools, take your business to the next step. Reduce overhead costs by up to 60%. Eliminate human error through automation. Make all your processes consistent and predictable. Have transparency and control through detailed and sophisticated reporting. For property managers that want to work smarter, not harder, RentBridge. Call us, 972-805-8535, or visit rentbridgegroup.com. Need a repair at 2 a.m.? Easy does it. Easy Repair coordinates maintenance and nothing else and takes after-hour maintenance calls for property managers working with your property management software so you can see exactly what Easy is doing without leaving your own software. From Las Vegas, Nevada, our full-time maintenance coordinators will dispatch your work orders with vendors from our growing repair vendor network where available or we'll use your vendors. Give us a call at 800-488-6032 or visit our website www.ezrepairhotlinellc.com. And welcome everybody to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind podcast. I am your host, Brad Larson. And today's guest, I've got Mr. Andrew Schultz on. Now he's been on the show before, but I thought it was uh, worthwhile to bring him on because we one, he's just got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, he is the up and coming property manager. He's been doing all kinds of good stuff in the industry and he's now taking on the Rent Prep for Landlord podcast in addition to podcasting around his own business in the New York area. And so we're going to talk about some property management stuff. We're going to talk about, you know, the Rent Prep for Landlords. And so without further ado, I want to quickly introduce Andrew. So Andrew, go ahead and give us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. I really appreciate it. Uh, My name is Andrew Schultz. I am the broker owner of Own Buffalo Inc. here in the Buffalo, New York market. We do real estate and property management uh, throughout Western New York. And now we're also doing a few exciting things online as well. Uh, I personally have the Ask a Property Manager show, which I run live every week on my Facebook page. Uh, And then I'm also, as you mentioned, taking over the Rent Prep for Landlords podcast as well, which is just an awesome opportunity for us to be able to interface with uh, a variety of people, landlords and property managers and people who are just thinking about getting into the industry it's, a, it's another way for us to connect and provide a wealth of information to those individuals. So first thing I want to talk about is give us some more background about your management experience. So your property management company, what you're doing in Buffalo, how's it all working out? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're right now in the middle of the COVID pandemic, and it seems to be getting worse if, it, you know, if, you, you know, if we could even imagine it getting worse. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really interesting, weird time. So kind of give us the update of what you're going on in the management world. Yeah, so it's been kind of interesting here in the Buffalo market. Um, I will mention, I think it's worth mentioning that my portfolio consists predominantly of B and C class properties. We're not running running a ton of class A property here. And that definitely has a different market impact than what you might see in a, in a class A property or something like that. So keeping in mind that most of our portfolio is in a class B, uh, you know, B, B minus, C plus neighborhoods, things like that, with a little bit of class A sprinkled in there. 
we're actually seeing that our collection percentages and things like that, April and May, we were running 5 to 6% off pace year over year. Um, and then June is really where we're starting to see it impact us a little bit more. Uh, and I say that because we're actually running a couple percentage points lower than what we were expecting for June. Uh, and I, what I'm noticing is it's, it's the same tenants who are just continuing to not pay. They didn't pay us in April. They didn't pay us in May. They didn't pay us in June. And now they're starting to get those, those balances that are accruing that uh, hopefully don't become insurmountable. Hopefully it doesn't wind up you know, becoming a cash for keys or an eviction scenario or something like that. But we are starting to see uh, where collections are, are falling off a little bit. That's scary because what will happen is they get these, as you mentioned, insurmountable debts accrued of three to four months. And maybe their attitude is like, well, the bailout's coming or good luck to coming to get me you know, in the winter if I can survive till the winter. I know you guys have moratoriums on winter evictions there. So it's a, it's a challenge to work in that market. And one thing backing up real quick. Mm-hmm. So the folks out there, you know, a lot of us maybe aren't classifying our properties A, B, and C. We should. Investment, lo- investors look at how we qua- uh, classify these properties. And so define what A, B, and C is in your market just for fun. Sure. Okay. So, uh, and you're in Austin and I'm in Buffalo and, and these are very different markets. So like Austin, I think your rents typically are like 12 to 1500, somewhere in that range, or are you higher so, than that? So let's go through this. So we are in San Antonio and Austin mm-hmm. and you know our class A's might be 2000 and above, for example, mm-hmm. and our average rental price is going in the 1600 range. Okay. Um, and class A's, I mean, that's, that's a really upper level. Right, right. I, I think they're all, uh, most of what we manage is, in my opinion, around the class A mark. Mm-hmm. I guess class B would have to be below 1000 and class C would have to be dang near section eight level. Okay. Uh, and that's just me roughly defining it. Just, sure. Just trying that's to. That's fair. Yeah. And I would say our class C stuff is probably going to be the, the sub 1000 stuff. It's, it's where we tend to see more of our, our section eight housing and stuff like that. Um, once you get out of the city of Buffalo, uh, there's certain neighborhoods in the city of Buffalo where you're going to find more class B and class A. Uh, but when you get into the suburbs, that's really where you start seeing the class B and class A. I would say our class B stuff is anywhere from like a thousand a month up to 1500 a month with class A stuff being above that. So that's, that's kind of where we're at in the mix. I would so say it's, it's predominantly like my rents range right now from probably 600 on the very low end up to, we actually have a corporate rental that's like 2,900. Um, but the, the sweet spot for us is right around that thousand dollars a month. How many units are you managing right now? About 120. Awesome. Cause yeah. you were starting just a few years ago, you know, you and I've done yeah, some, yeah. some up and coming conversations when you were just starting and I was able to give you some advice here and there. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting tidbit. Uh, are you managing any section eight at this point? We do have some section eight. Yep. So are those owners, are they the ones that are laughing at everybody else saying, ha, 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 look at you because I'm, ca- I'm cashing checks, right? They're cashing well, checks you know, because of Section 8. One, it's six to one, half dozen the other. Yeah, the Section 8 money didn't stop this time. But I mean, what was it, March last year? We had a government shutdown and there was no Section 8 money coming through. So it's, it's really six to one, half dozen the other in, the, in those instances. Um, you know, the, everybody screams about Section 8 being free money and this and that and the other thing. It's definitely not free money. There's a lot of work that goes into getting these vouchers uh, squared away and the paperwork and everything else um, to the point where we actually had to enact a, a separate fee specifically uh, on the owner side to work with the Section 8 programs and stuff like that. Tenants are quickly becoming an untouchable class here in the state of New York, kind of like in Australia. So most of our fees are, are owner-centric and not tenant-centric. Um, and because it takes us, on average, 
30 to 45 days to get through that entire Section 8 process from beginning to end, including the inspections and the approval and all that. Uh, because that process takes so long and there are so many man hours that go into that, we actually had to implement a fee um, to the property owner whenever we start working with those Section 8 vouchers, just because it's so time consuming. So there is, you fair. know, there is a little bit of a cost there, but you know, like you said, it's 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 money that rolls in month after month after month. We check the deposits on on the first and second. Of course, there's there's Section Eight funds sitting there waiting, um, but that only goes so far. Like we said, things can easily stop when you have a government shutdown or something like that. There were a couple of tenants that it took us almost sixty days to get their voucher straightened back out. So it's you know it's a double edged sword in that in that way. So let's let's talk about a real world COVID question here with the pandemic going on and all the money that's been flowing around. Do you see the Section Eight, the the housing authority money, expand to where some of those B homes are going to slip into the Section Eight range? Just because uh, what they're seeing is a big expansion of funds. I mean, to go back a little bit, San Antonio is like they're creating ways to give out money mm-hmm. from the feds because the feds are giving the city or the county money. And they're creating ways out of thin air mm-hmm. to try and distribute some of this money, which includes looking to expand in the housing authority budget. Mm-hmm. So are you yeah, seeing the like same thing HCV, there? A housing choice voucher or something like that. Housing choice voucher, HCV, is basically the Section 8 program here in Western New York. That's, there's three or four different agencies that administer Section 8 uh, vouchers here in Western New York. And the majority of those vouchers are HCV, housing choice vouchers. So I think what you're going to see when the HEROES Act, if the HEROES Act passes, and I think that they're going to have to pass something, it's not just going to sit around forever. Um, there is a large sum, I want to say $500 million that's earmarked toward uh, offsetting the you know, rents and things like that. And I think that the fastest way for them to push that money down to where it needs to be in the hands of the tenants and the individual landlords, the fastest way to get that money into the hands of the people who need it most is through that housing voucher program, I think, in a lot of instances. You know, we, when you look at even how they handled the unemployment situation uh, or the, uh, the $1,200 checks or anything, you know, there were, it, it's all about speed and getting those funds out to people um, to basically prevent another dip in the economy or whatever you want to call it, a depression, a recession, whatever the case may be. It's all about getting that money out to the people that need it as quickly as possible. And I think that you'll probably see the HCV voucher program being a big part of that because the processes and systems are already in place. We don't have to jump out of a a perfectly good airplane and try to build a parachute on the way down like they did with the SBA PPP and the EIDL money and stuff like that. There's already those established systems and practices in place. It's just a matter of saying, hey, Belmont Housing of Western New York, you now have an extra 300 vouchers at a value of up to $1,000 a voucher, go spend it. Uh, Get that money out there, get that money into the hands of the tenants and get that money into the hands of landlords. Uh, And it's, you know, it's a chain reaction. It goes up. If the tenants don't have the cash, then the landlords don't have the cash, which means you're not paying your property taxes and maintaining the properties. Now the municipalities don't have any cash and it's a real vicious circle that way. Yeah, it might be very advantageous for you, the manager, to recommend to some landlords and or do it themselves or mm-hmm. do it for them, excuse me. Uh, maybe you can charge them a service to get that class B property now into mm-hmm. the housing voucher situation where it's almost better to go that direction than try right. to wait for the eviction process to catch up. Because mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't pay rent and you're looking at two to three months and now you're into six months or nine months, right. it, might take, it might take them 45 days to sure, get approved. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden they're, they're receiving housing authority funds, as you mentioned, 
that might be the quickest way to, to get back to, you know, somewhat square than it mm-hmm. would to try and evict and start over. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that statement, to be honest with you. I mean, we see a lot of, especially in New York, they passed some new landlord-tenant laws back in June of last year, June 2019, I want to say, that really extended the the timeline for evictions. It used to be a three-day notice followed by, um, we're going to court, we're going to file the, uh, you know, go ahead and file for the, the court case and everything else. So it was literally a three-day, you know, three-day notice. If you don't make some kind of a payment arrangement or get paid in full by the end of that three days, we're moving into the next step. We're going right to the court. Now, now you this, have a five-day and a 14-day notice, which extends that timeline almost a full month already. Then you've got the actual court hearing. And there's some things that changed in terms of the dates on the court hearings. And you know, uh, you have to have X number of days between the filing and the actual court date. And then the tenant gets X number of days from the court date if they're found to, uh, you know, if the landlord wins the, wins the case then the tenant is offered X number of days before they have to be out of the property. And then there's extensions even beyond that. It okay, can be a okay, real okay, sticky okay. program. Yeah. That's, that's making my head hurt. Making it my is, head it's, hurt, it, try, try living in New York, man. It's, it's a challenge here. Here's where the magic is and what you just talked about. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's think, let's think business development. Let's think marketing for a minute for property management companies. Everything you just said the last minute needs to go on a YouTube video mm-hmm. and put into your website with all the keywords that says, housing expansion or housing voucher or section eight or, or anything of your market in Buffalo, right. Western New York. And so when somebody Googles it, your video pops up and Absolutely. now you are the expert on explaining exactly what you just said. This is where the magic is mm-hmm. because those that, that can create the videos that are putting out information, they're going to be showing up on the Google searches and that's going to allow you to potentially get in front of new owners that want to hire you and that are willing to pay your fee to walk them through the process of turning a, a good B-class home or catching up a C-class tenant into the housing voucher expansion program, mm-hmm. which I don't know what the name is, but I'm just saying that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to say, okay, here's another $500 million that we just printed out of thin air, push it down to the housing authorities, but they're going to create another 300, like you mentioned, housing vouchers. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually benefit from this as a property manager by being the subject matter expert in this. and uh, what we do and do what we call educational selling. Right. And so people will come sign up with you, you charge them a fee, you get them hooked up and boom, now you have another client potentially for life. Mm-hmm. And you could add 10, 20, 30 of these clients. So this is what I'm going is everybody should be looking at doing stuff like this, not just right. you. And I'm not talking the housing stuff. I'm talking creating the, the new content that goes mm-hmm. out there. And it illustrates to everybody that you are now the expert and you know it's amazing if you hear the stories of people doing these videos 10 years ago, right? right? Well, all I did was a video on how to click a red pen. Now, I have a red pen in my hand. How to click right. a red pen, and I get thousands of hits every day. I'm at the first of Google on every single search for red pens, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, that's how they get all their business. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm the recommending this to everybody found, out there. The other thing that we found that works really, really well is a lot of property managers don't offer a leasing only option. It's either you're taking our management or we're not working with you. But we do. We actually offer a leasing only program. Um, So that works great for some of the, uh, what are we calling them? SMIPOs, self-managing investment Um, property owners. Stealing a term from from Scott Brady. It's self-managing individual property owners, the do-it-yourself landlords, Mm -hmm. the furbos. Now, word to the wise on the leasing only is we use that as a gateway drug or a Yes, user. so do we. So, and the other point, a word to the wise is collect everything up front. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're going to charge those owners a flat fee, don't do any sort of half now, half at leasing, because we've had, insert adjective here, along with a lot of MFers, we've mm-hmm. had those do-it-yourself landlords that have screwed us. Yeah. And so what they would do is they would pay us half up front, we mm-hmm. do the marketing, and then they claim that they met the tenant themselves. They mm-hmm. claim that we did not do this on a Friday afternoon, and we only did it on Monday morning. And so they'll make stuff up and just infuriating how these piece of crap landlords that are out there <laughs> decided to try and screw us over. And so years ago, I said, nope, we're gonna, they're going to pay for it all up front, right? right? Write us a check all up front, and then we'll do everything from that point. And the amount they pay, mm-hmm. they could pay just a little bit more mm-hmm. and get full service management. Yeah. So there's, there's two points to that that I want to mention. The way that we found to avoid that is we control the entire process. They're not allowed to have their own add up for the apartment. They're not screening tenants or anything like that. So we're controlling that entire process from the second they sign the contract until the second that tenant moves into that property. We kind of control that entire process. You, and you all think of the so, funds Andrew, that are paid. I got to well, tell you, you think so, that they, they go around you. That's my mm-hmm. point. We were trying to do the same thing. Security deposit comes to RentWorks. We distribute funds from there. But I'm telling you, landlords find a way to screw over. Mm-hmm. Certain people, that's the do-it-yourself landlord mentality is they try to cut corners. That's what a entrepreneur does too, which is totally fine. It's just human nature. But sure. we figured out that we were getting screwed out of that one. And so we figured out to charge them all up front. Now go back mm-hmm. to what you're talking about with the funds. Sure. So what we're doing is we are collecting the funds on our end. So all of the checks and everything are being written to our company to own Buffalo. And then we're doing the accounting and providing, essentially we're paying out the, the deposit and uh, giving the property owner an accounting report showing you know, this is what was paid in rent. This was what was paid in deposit. This was what was claimed as fee. Here's a check in the amount of X number of dollars. Here's your full accounting break. And we just make a packet. It's, you know, it's their invoice, the lease, uh, the move-in photos, the whole shot, and it just goes out the door and, and they're fine. Um, but what we have found is more often than not, the self-managing owners that, are, that we're working with, that we're doing those lease-ups with, they have a tendency to come back to us on the next tenant placement and the next tenant placement because they're getting a well-screened tenant. Um, And if I can expand on that a little bit, I will say we talked a little bit earlier about the, uh, the, the rents that aren't coming in, the delinquency rates and things like that. If I look at my delinquency rate and compare it to just the tenants that I screen. So sometimes we'll inherit a property that has tenants in it from another manager or at the time of purchase, there's a tenant living in it. If you look at the tenants that we've screened, as a percentage of delinquency, it's almost 0% delinquent. Uh, It's very high. It's like 97% of all of the tenants that we've screened are current. It's the tenants that we're not screening that are not current. So there's there's some kind of a breakdown in the previous owners, the previous property manager screening process that these tenants are sneaking through and then becoming uh, I don't even want to say becoming bad tenants. They're they're encountering issues where they're unable to pay rent or whatever, but we're not finding that to be the case on the tenants that we've gone through and screened using our criteria, um, which I think when you have such a strong screening criteria, and I know that you guys have great criteria over there at RentWorks as well, and I know that because I borrowed some of it when I was setting up my criteria um, or redoing our criteria, I should say. Having that strong criteria goes so far in making sure that you're you're working with a good quality tenant and that you're not going to have those delinquency issues, hopefully, as time goes on. Yeah, that also backs up to what you want to offer eventually is maybe a leasing guarantee. Mm-hmm. Because if you know those numbers, then you know you're not going to be putting yourself out there too much by offering some sort of 
you know, uh, we guarantee the tenants for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if your tenant leaves in nine months, we'll release the home for free. I mean, that, right. those leasing guarantees hone in onto that because yeah. you know, our eviction rate is even lower than that because we screen the tenants as, as well as we can, which creates a dilemma for you potentially because in my opinion, I think in certain management companies and certain markets, you almost need two screening criteria. Mm-hmm. And it gets very vague. It's almost like if I were to go handle multifamilies at six or $800 a unit, mm-hmm. I would create a whole separate company with a whole separate screening right. criteria, separate from RentWorks. And I might mm-hmm. call it RentWorks multifamily or something, but that's a different screening criteria than right. the RentWorks single family because they're two different animals, dude. Very I mean, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the single family, we can be very strict, you know, strict mm-hmm. on this, strict on that, charge this, charge that. In the multifamily, you know, just everything you want to do for single family almost cut in half right multifamily and mm-hmm. maybe that's something you're seeing as well yeah i mean it's we have one basic set of laws that covers real estate as a whole here in in new york so there's definitely been changes to make things less friendly to housing providers uh definitely more friendly to tenants especially the changes that we saw <laughs> last year in june with regards to like what i was saying with the eviction timelines and stuff like that there's there's definitely been a, uh, a shift in the market here, but in terms of having necessarily like a different set of criteria for a single family versus a multifamily, we don't necessarily have that here. Um, I would say that the main difference here would be we have rent control in some of our markets, which I don't know if you guys have in, in Texas or not, but like downstate in New York City, there's a lot of rent control down there, which changes the game entirely because that's a whole nother set of criteria. We don't have rent control up here in Buffalo yet. The laws last year did make it a possibility but there's a lot of criteria that need to be met in order for that to be enacted. So as of right now, I'm not working in anything that's like a rent controlled environment where there would be additional restrictions. Um, and there's really not a difference in restrictions between singles and multis. It's just a really restrictive set of criteria from the jump. It's a, it's a little bit difficult to do, to do property management here in New York and do it professionally and to do it um, on a level where you can still be profitable. But that's going to be job security for years to come. Absolutely. So you and I have talked about this before. You look at the Australian model, uh, it is completely reverse of what the US model is. You're looking at 70% use a property manager in Australia versus 30% use a property manager here in the States. And those numbers go up five or 10, whatever you want to talk, call it, but it's reverse. Yeah. And so, and why is because they're very tenant friendly. They're very litigious. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of criteria and screening guidelines and all this stuff. You can't charge a lot of fees. And so uh, people there... The landlords, the SMIPOs in Australia look at you like you are crazy not to use a property manager. Mm-hmm. And it might be getting that way in these fringe states, these mm-hmm. blue states like New York and or California, certain other places. Sure, yeah. Is it might be to the point where, what do you mean you're trying to do it yourself? I mean, one thing happens, you get sued and you lose everything versus mm-hmm. if you have a, a property manager, you got a, a third layer of protection, an arm's length protection. Why would you not use a property manager? So maybe it's getting yeah. to that point. And so another thing on that, I think uh, another trend, industry trend, and maybe you're seeing this, but let's talk kind of a switch up a little bit, is you know, we're seeing these conglomerates come in, right? They're, they're wanting to buy and acquire management companies. Mm-hmm. So in doing this, what we've seen is they have operational challenges in doing this stuff. There's been some players, I'm not going to drop names, that have come in and gobbled up a bunch of different management companies. Boom, 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 boom. boom. They buy them all right. up. And then they go to manage and they're like, whoa, this is more challenging than we thought. Uh, people don't want to talk to certain people in out-of-state markets. 
and these, this, you can't find good vendors and you can't do this and you can't do that. And the, the software we were using is not adequate enough. And so there, I've seen this multiple times. It's not a one-time anomaly. I've seen this multiple times with these bigger conglomerate roll-ups is because our industry has been so fragmented with so many ways to do it and so many different ways to do it and so many different markets that trying to consolidate that is near impossible at a large level, which again, making a point, is giving us a little bit of job security in the small business realm. I think there's companies that can grow to you know, five or 10,000 doors, but 100,000 doors is going to be near impossible, in my opinion, uh, at a high level, unless they're just throwing money away, hoping for the big bailout someday. I just don't think it's smart money in that regard at all. I think what, what you're doing at your level is smart money. I think you can mm-hmm. build up a great business. Uh, you can get that puppy to eventually run itself. And then it leads you into other things that you were talking about in pre-show in the green room is doing these acquisitions of assets, acquiring assets because of your experience in the management world, because of your eye, you've mm-hmm. been able to go out and find these good deals and get creative and create these assets, these flips, these buy and holds, these these projects, right? These real estate projects, all that circle around your management company. That's where I think the real right. wealth building is, is the management company is great. It can, it can be an absolute great profitable business, but it's all the outliers around it. I mean- mm-hmm. The ancillary market, business opportunities. That, that's right. The ancillary, ancillary businesses are huge. I mean, there's ample opportunities for that in every single business. If you are looking to enhance your tenant's movement experience, cut down on phone calls or emails to you or your staff regarding utilities, then you must connect yourself, your team, and your tenants with Citizen Home Solutions. Citizen Home Solutions takes the hassle of utilities off your hands and your tenants. Best of all, we do it for free. Build us into your tenant benefit package. Oh, and start benefiting from our revenue share program. Yes, we pay you a quarterly commission on specific services your tenant opts into. Want to know more? Give us a call today at 877-528-3824 or visit pmcpartner.com. Now, one of the things that you've been doing is that exact thing in creating different silos of revenue. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we, we head up on on the show is how you've been able to get involved with rent prep for landlords. Right. And so this is something I've been watching. I listened to the podcast, but I want you to kind of explain in the elevator pitch what that is. Because sure. I think it's a pretty neat thing and I think it's very timely and it ties right in perfectly to what the mastermind's all about, the property manager mastermind. Mm-hmm. It's just from a different perspective. But it's yeah. all the same, all the same challenges. We all want to manage property, whether you're your individual landlord mm-hmm. and or you are the giant management company owner. So mm-hmm. tell us more about rent prep. Sure. So I mean, I guess it's worth noting that um the the what's what you're seeing now with what we're doing with rent prep actually started back in 2017 when Eric at Rent Prep and I were doing the Ask a Property Manager segment live on Facebook. And over time, we just kind of moved away from it. Then I brought it back doing it here out of our offices at Own Buffalo in January of this year. And it kind of grew a little bit. And then I was approached by the guys over at Rent Prep um, with regards to their podcast as Eric is going to be transitioning out of the company. Believe it or not, he has his own YouTube channel that's grown to the point where he was able to basically you know, replaces income, so to speak, with just being a YouTube creator. And uh, that left the opportunity open for me to move in and kind of host that Rent Prep for Landlords podcast, which is an awesome opportunity because it gives us the the ability to, on a weekly basis, touch base with, you know, SMIPOs and the individual landlords, the accidental landlords, the people who 
maybe they fell into this and they really don't have a clue as to what they're doing and they're, they're, you know, they're up to their eyes and they're quickly sinking. It gives them an opportunity to go and at least listen to 20 to 30 minutes a week of good quality content geared towards the landlord market. Um, we're going to have different segments that we're going to be talking about, you know, in the news or, you know, uh, different stories from around the community, things that we can pull and say, okay, well, here's where you went wrong. You know, next time try doing X, Y, and Z, that might let you have a little bit smoother experience or something like that. Um, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to really connect with the, the landlords, the smaller landlords. You know, it's, it's, I don't have a source for the statistic, but something like 75% of all uh, investment property owners are accidental owners. They had to move for work or they inherited a property when a parent passed away or something like that. You know, they aren't set up to manage a property. They don't know the laws the way that we do. They don't know the fair housing guidelines the way that we do. So what we're able to do is kind of step in and help those people before they really step on a landmine or something like that. Hopefully we're able to catch them before they fall and make those mistakes uh, so that they don't wind up in hot water. And then obviously point them towards the resources where they can be where they can be best helped, whether it be, you know, the the rent prep for landlords Facebook group, which is huge, uh, or or something along those lines. Now, I've been a fan of that stuff for a long time. So when I go back to you, I want you to talk about if you're still doing the screening services, but mm-hmm. there's Rent Prep for Landlords podcast, which is up to 300 plus episodes. I still listen to that. Even, you know, this week I, I turned on an episode, listen to you talking with the guys about the, the transition because mm-hmm. uh, there's some really cool segments in there and it's really timely. So it gives you kind of a real world, what's going on, you know, right now stuff. Yeah. And what I love is you don't touch on the, you don't do any touchy feely crap. You know, Andrew, let's talk about your feelings today. Mm-hmm. You know, let's t- what what book did you just recently read? Right. You know, those types of things, you know, I, I can't stand. You know, I don't I don't give a darn about all that the touchy feely stuff. I want to know, mm-hmm. you know, recently passed. Andrew says recently passed federal legislation that's going to affect you, this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Those are the real world things. So you got Rent Prep for Landlords podcast, Rent Prep for Landlords uh, Facebook group, which well, mm-hmm. I follow and pay attention to. Now you're still doing the screening services. Talk me through that. Yeah. So we are still actually I work with rent prep own Buffalo uses rent prep for screening services. There's not like a direct connection there. We pay them for that service every time we screen a tenant. Uh, and honestly, we've been through them. We've been working through them for years. Um, they were actually one of the first vendors I started working with. Um, I know the owner, Steve, very, very well. I think I met him originally at like a bigger pockets meetup, which guys, if you're not going to networking events, what are you doing with your lives? Of course, I say that in the middle of Corona where there are no networking events, but um, networking events are huge. I'll just make that quick plug. Um, you know, I met Steve and he's been my tenant screening guy ever since. So they're handling my credit checks, my background checks. Because we're a corporate customer, they're also doing some of the back-end verifications on the employment and calling the landlords and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's a great service that they offer over there. There's a bunch of different packages available depending on what your tenant screening services needs are. And they have something, whether you're looking to screen one tenant one time for your single family home, or if you are a, a corporate customer looking for a long-term type of a situation where you're screening a lot of a lot of tenants on a regular basis. Yeah, we've seen them around the, the property management community uh, come mm-hmm. and go. And they haven't gone anywhere, but they've focused uh, you know, on different things because um, you know, where we see them in a certain section, you guys are focusing more on different things that are, I don't know, it's just, just a different angle. It's just, you know, it's all good. But what I'm talking about is like the NARPM world. Right? Yeah. You guys are part of NARPM, the rent prep's part of NARPM. But I don't know how much they participate because there's there's a lot of opportunity out there for ten different silos and, and directing you know towards getting leads. Mm-hmm. What I want to reiterate is 
the screening service can be the individual landlord all the way up to the corporate account like you where you're having exactly. you know all kinds of, of opportunities every month. That's a really interesting thing. There's not a lot of services out there like that. I mean, are there? Yeah. I, mean, I, can't, I can only think of a handful where they would actually work with somebody on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. I have one home. It's a $1,000 unit. I only need one screening every five years mm-hmm. versus, you know, I need five screenings a day. You right. Know, there's, there's not that many services out there that'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can always find the automated services. You can run an automated credit and background check through Cozy or whatever. You know, there's, there's different options out there for the, the landlords that may only need a, a screening every once in a while. But the nice thing with rent prep is there's always customer service and support. Like if I have a question, and it happens frequently, I'll look at a report and say, something doesn't quite jive on this. And I'll go back and physically call and I can talk to the actual screener who touched that report. And I can say to them, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what my question is. And they can go back and look at it, look at maybe their notes on the back end of it and say, okay, here's what I found or didn't find. Or, you know, there might be a report that's out there, but it's non-reportable for whatever reason or something like that. You know, I can actually physically speak to a screener and have them literally step by step go through a report with me if need be. And that's huge, especially for the, for the newer landlords who, are, who don't understand how to look at a credit report or something like that to be able to have a few minutes to speak with a screener and really understand what it is that you're looking at after you get this report. Report's great. You might get a five or six page report, but if you don't understand how to read it, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Um, so that's that's one of the big parts of their service is the fact that it is so accessible. Um, you, can, you can call and speak to a screener and really talk to them about your report, or even if you have questions or whatever, they're available to, to be able to access in, as a kind of a resource that way. That's great stuff going forward. So kind of tell me... Wh- where are you going to be taking the podcast now that you're going to be hosting it? Boy, it's well, actually, it's funny because right before you and I hopped on to record this, I actually recorded the first solo episode. So right now, the episode that's live is the episode with Eric and I, the transition episode, if you will. Um, this coming Thursday, we'll have my first episode. It's just going to be, we call it our in the news segments. We're going to be talking about three different news stories. Uh, And there's one that I think people are really going to like. It's actually out of the UK. And it's this woman who literally took her entire garden with her when she moved. Um, So that's a pretty interesting one to listen to. Um, And then next week's episode, we'll actually have the new format. So that'll start with in the news. We've got uh, a few different segments that we're going to be going through to kind of break up the podcast a little bit. And everything will be a little just a little bit different. You know, we're still going to have the classic in the news. Uh, but we're going to be adding some forum quorum. We're actually going to be pulling questions out of different groups, usually, you know, either the rent prep group or whatever. Uh, you know, Reddit's got a great landlording uh, subreddit that you can pull questions from and answering those questions from our perspective, different opportunities for people to come on as as guests. We're working on an interview format right now with the goal of having at least one interview once a month to kind of break up the normal podcast format. So it's going to be different than what it has been in the past. It's definitely going to uh, grow, I think, as a result of that. And I think that it's going to be a tremendous opportunity, both for, for me to host the thing. I was super pumped to even get the opportunity. Um, but even more than that, it's going to be a great opportunity for for landlords and property managers, both, I think, to be able to pick up and learn um, while they're driving in their car, or wherever they happen to be listening to a podcast. And I, I look at you as like the finger of on the pulse of the individual landlord. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the reasons I brought you on the show is is you know, we get into our little bu- bubble for property managers and business owners, and we don't necessarily talk to a lot of individual landlords, like what are their needs and concerns? Mm-hmm. How do we provide a better service as property managers to the individual landlord that might be needing a life change 
and want to bring us their home and or homes to manage. Right. And so I kind of look at you like you are the direct link to that business source along with, you know, what, what are we doing right? Mm-hmm. What are we doing wrong? I mean, we need to kind of know from their perspective. So that's why I'm very excited to bring you on to talk about the Rent Prep for Landlords show that you got cooking and just kind of get an update from you on the New York side and see what's going on in the, in the Northeast. And, uh, you know, I think it's been a pretty good episode just to bring you on. So if yeah. someone wants to reach you and, you know, hey, I want to volunteer to be a guest on your show, for example, or they want to find out more. I mean, how, what's the best way to reach you? Sure. So if you're looking for the rent prep stuff, you can find them at rentprep.com. If you're looking for the podcast, you can find that basically everywhere podcasts are able to be downloaded. It's pretty much everywhere at this point. Um, the Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash rent prep. Uh, that'll get you to the rent prep for landlord Facebook group. That's like 12,000 members plus at this point. It's a big group. Um, every uh, person who applies for membership to that group is screened individually. Um, so that we're making sure that we're keeping that as much as possible. We're trying to keep that group to be landlords and property managers. We're, we're trying to keep that group private and safe for people to be able to come in, ask questions, get a response from people who are in the industry. It's a great resource. It's a free resource. And I would definitely recommend people check that out. Let's, let's talk um, about people, the group situation. Let's talk sure. about that for a little bit, because you know, not, not a lot of people know this, but you know, we run the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group here, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's our Facebook group. And so we have over 9,000 members, like 9,200 as of this recording, 92 and change. And we have individually screened those as well. Yeah. So we might get 50 applications to be in that group a day, only allow maybe 20, 25 of them in because mm-hmm. we get a lot of junk, right? Yeah. And people need to understand we're not doing FBI level background checks. Right. So the posers are going to sneak in there mm-hmm. and they're going to advertise their, their, you know, their kittens for sale in you know, someplace crazy, right? They're going to advertise right. that. Okay. We, we delete it. We block them, right? Yeah. They're always going to, there's going to be the posers out there and you run into the same thing where you say no advertising, no this, mm-hmm. no that, but yet they get approved. And the first thing they do is advertise for car washing services. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> our, our big issue, honestly, because we're, we're at the point now in that group where it's full post moderation. Every post has to be approved before it gets uh, allowed into the, into the fray, if you will. And the reason we've had to do that is just, it's not even so much people coming in and spamming things. It's people bringing politics into every conversation, which I mean, look, you can't talk about real estate and not acknowledge the fact that politics is intimately entangled with, with the industry that we're involved in. But it's the, well, it's the liberal and it's the, it's the conservative and blah, blah. We're trying to avoid all of that and have good, clean discussion. And that's really what the focus of the moderation team is in that group, is just making sure that the conversation stays focused on real estate and doesn't delve too far off into, well, if it, you know, this policy was enacted by so-and-so and it's all their fault that works, we don't want that. Like it's, it's not meant to, we, we try to protect, you know, people from having to deal with that guard. You can get enough of that on your regular newsfeed. We're just trying yeah. to, trying to keep it legitimate real estate related discussions, trying to keep one the thing, politics out of it. One thing I like about that group is you, you get to see a lot of the before and after pictures. Yeah. Of, of landlords doing mm-hmm. their thing. They come into an absolute trash unit or uh, and then they make it to something glorious. And it's really neat to see the before and after of these individual landlords because mm-hmm. you get to see the cool stuff. I like that stuff, you know, before Absolutely. and after. And, they're, and they're, you can see that they took a lot of pride in doing that, which creates a very good living environment for somebody lucky enough to be able to rent from them. Mm-hmm. So there's some neat stuff in there. I follow it. I like it. And I would recommend everybody to jump in there. I think that's one of the better groups out there for property managers that, again, to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on with the individual landlord who is your customer. That's your right. client. 
Good stuff. Andrew, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Been a great conversation. Look forward to seeing great things from you on the Rent Prep for Landlord podcast and the Facebook group. And I look forward to seeing you at the next conference sometime soon. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. 86% of millennials and over 60% of baby boomers in a recent study said smart home is an amenity they're willing to pay more for. The ease of use and energy savings that comes with a smart home pay for themselves, while also increasing property managers' revenue. Point Central provides services like unattended showings, secure access, and HVAC control, while also providing value to your residents through smart automation. Request a free demo today. Call us at 888-532-3032 or visit pointcentral.com. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.